This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast on what is a very, very busy week. We will tackle the opening of the baseball season in this one, and you probably already know that the Yankee game has already been canceled because of the inclement weather that is assured on Thursday. So they will now open, hopefully, and the weather looks good for Friday, they will open Friday afternoon against the Red Sox. So uh, don't head out on the st- to the stadium tomorrow. You probably wouldn't anyway because it's probably going to be raining when you uh, step out tomorrow morning. But um, on this Wednesday, they've already early canceled the game, and it will be played on Friday afternoon. The Mets will attempt to open tomorrow uh, in our nation's capital at four o'clock. Uh, so that looks so far to be the case as baseball will get underway tomorrow before I get to baseball and Bobby V and I will close this podcast with the tradition of the over-unders. So those are coming. Uh, I will give you those at the end of the program. I have them ready. Um, a word or two on the national championship game, which didn't let us down. Wild game. I, t- I told you I thought there'd be some runs back and forth. I picked the game uh, 76-75 Kansas. Uh, could have lost it late, as we know. Uh, it could have gone the other way from a point set standpoint. But for the most part, you were shocked at half that it even became a game again, which it did very quickly. But that game changed on a couple of things, including some really freaky things that happened to the Carolina players. And I didn't like the way they handled the final 20 seconds, but they played very uh, uh, well and valiantly throughout the tournament and did a nice job of not getting that game, let that game get away from them when, it got, when they got down 56-50 and had been stunned by uh, Kansas so dramatically in the second half, just the way they had stunned Kansas at 22 up in the first half. Uh, those two dramatic runs uh, in a championship game. They didn't let the game get away. They fought, and they were very feisty. I would have liked to see Manic get some more shots. I thought the game hinged on an offensive rebound that McCormick got. He shot the ball, got the rebound back, and then made the basket at 121 that put Kansas ahead to stay 70-69. He then made another basket at 24 seconds left that put Kansas up 72-69, which turned out to be the final score. I was stunned. And I thought that offensive rebound, if if Carolina, which rebounded so well, had corralled that rebound up one after the first McCormick miss, I think they would have won the game. That's how slight the Kansas win was. Now, we can talk about strategy late. There was a lot of it to discuss. The bottom line was, Carolina won against UCLA and against Duke because Love shot them in past those opponents. With, I mean, the UCLA shots were stunning. They were so deep. The Duke shots were dramatic and clutch. He didn't do it in this game. 
I clearly he clearly was hurting when he took that weird step early in the second half. He had a nightmarish night. Give Kansas credit for that. They shut down the uh, Carolina guards who were one for thirteen from three, and he was five for twenty four from the for the game. That's the essence of the game. If Love has a decent shooting night, Carolina wins. Forget the runs. Forget both runs. Negate both runs and call it the tight game that it was at the end. And that's what that game was. It figured to be a tight game. How it got there was rather strange, but still, it figured to be a close game late, and it was. I also was stunned that uh, Agbaji won the MV, most outstanding player. I usually don't care about this stuff, but I don't understand how he won it. Not that I care. And he's going to be the pro. He's going to be, I think, a good pro. And he's the best prospect on the Kansas team. No question. There's not a lot of prospects on that team. But McCormick should have been the most outstanding player for the weekend. Uh, he had more points. He had 40 points and 19 rebounds to 33 points and five rebounds for uh, Agbaji. And he made the two baskets that won the game. So I was stunned that he wasn't the most outstanding player. He had the most rebounds. He had the most points for the weekend. And he made the big baskets. I, I, I don't know why that was the case, but it was. But, hey, it's not really that important. Now we move to baseball. And finally, the start of this baseball season, uh, which should be a fun one. I know the DeGrom injury. And listen, do not minimize it. He's going to miss probably at minimum a third of the season. It's a huge factor. Their over-under has dropped from 91.5 to 88. It's a huge factor. It could be even a much bigger factor if he doesn't play this year. You can't go out on the market and replace him. There's no way to replace him. His loss will be an incredible one and could cost the Mets dearly the entire season. So don't minimize it. But you don't want to throw a funeral for the Mets yet either because of it. Because we don't know if he could come back and pitch very well, you know, in the second half of the season. Or from June on. I don't think you'll see him before mid-June. At the earliest, I would even say the All-Star break is probably more logical. But if they get him for the second half of the season and they're able to hold the fort until then, then they will be in very, very good shape because he obviously will have a lot of life, hope if it's healthy, in that arm, having not pitched in the first half of the season. For the Yankees, there's a lot of puzzling questions that need to be answered. But most of the answers are on the team. That's the puzzling part for this team. A lot of things could go right. A lot of things could go wrong. The Yankees aren't going to win 80 games. I mean, they're going to win close to 90 games. I don't think they're going to win 98 games. The division's too tough. Going in, they're not the best team in the division. But with the moves they have the resources to make, and with the people who were there. There are a lot of questions that can be answered inside that roster, and it's going to be very interesting to see if they can answer them. There is enough talent on that roster to have a big season. There is also a decent chance that that team is not going to be that good. It can go either way this season. Injuries, age in some spots. Obviously, some questions that have to be answered both in the bullpen and in the rotation. So it's going to be a, a, on both sides 
for the Yanks and the Mets, it's going to be a very, very interesting year, both with promise and expectations and the belief that it could be a big season at City Field and a big season at Yankee Stadium. It could be. It also could be bitterly disappointing, and the first note that was sounded by the Mets was not a good one. It really wasn't. But no team is in a better position to go out and do what it's ever needed than the Mets are. We know that. Their owner has the deepest of the deep pockets, and he is very willing and able and wants very much to put a winning product on. In the, in the, in the worst way, wants to put a winning product on the field. I think for his own ego and I think for the fans. I think both. As we said, as we told you when we uh, started this venture, we would use Bobby V for baseball season. You couldn't have a better baseball resource. We'll do a segment with Bobby uh, on a lot of things. Baseball overall, Yankees and Mets, his thoughts on a lot of different things. And then we will close with our traditional over-unders, which I have ready for you to begin this season. So you've waited, you've worried whether there would be a season. You worried if this whole year was going to go down the drain. It hasn't. Hopefully the weather will begin to cooperate because the weather the last couple of weeks in New York is why you want to be in Florida. I mean, the weather has just been dreadful. And it has already made its mark on opening day. But, hey, hopefully by the time we hit the middle of April here, we'll see some decent temperatures in the 60s to 70s and some sunshine because, boy, the weather has been just absolutely abominable since uh, mid-March, or really the last three weeks. But it doesn't do you any good to complain about it. We won't. Bobby B. when we come back. You're listening to the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, the baseball season is upon us. Uh, you'll have to wait an extra day uh, for the Yankees if you haven't been made aware yet. The Yankees have already quickly, as they often do, postpone early when they see a very bad weather forecast. So the Yankees will not open until uh, Friday afternoon at the stadium against the Red Sox. Very wise because tomorrow is supposed to be very, very rainy in the metropolitan area anyway on uh, what is an opening day. And hopefully uh, Friday will turn out to be a much better uh, afternoon. Bobby V joins us as we start to take a look. And, Bobby, let's start with the, with the Yankees. You know, the Yankees have their typical team where you know they're going to be good. You know that the downside would be 86-87. A good year would be up in the 94-95 uh, area. Uh, that would obviously get them into the uh, postseason but there's also a lot of question marks with this team, maybe more than we've had in recent years. What's your thoughts about the Yankees as we hit opening day? Well, obviously, the, the big guys have got to be healthy and they have to perform, you know, um, and especially Chapman. We've mentioned that before, but, you know, they need to have Chapman as the uh, lockdown closer uh, that the Yankees are used to. And, uh, of course, you know, you know, with Aaron Judge out there and, and uh, playing in a uh, contract situation, um, I think he has to be the MVP. Do you think, clearly, you've already heard that Donaldson brings a, a little different personality to this team. Do you think that will be something noticeable, or do you think it's overrated? 
Uh, I think it's overrated until he becomes, um, you know, a guy that he was when he was uh, trying to be an MVP of, of the league. If, if he can really perform, then people will take notice to what he says and what he does. But um, I, I think there are bigger stars and bigger lights that will be shined on this team, and and uh, I, I don't think he's going to be a, a major clog. Do you like the utilization of LeMayu? Do you think it detracts from his performance to ask him to be so much a player who has to do so many different jobs for this team to get his at-bats? I think he's really comfortable moving around, uh, but last year he wasn't comfortable at the plate. He was still barreling up a lot of balls. He can, um, you know, he's a very good hitter. He just has to get those balls to fall in the gaps this year and do it early so people think that he's uh, the, the player that uh, the Yankees need, uh, who's that consistent hitter, the guy who gets the the hits against the good pitchers, the tough spots, and and um, they'll they'll learn to lean on him if he's healthy and and he's swinging the bat the way he can. You know, a lot of people wanted the Yankees to go get an Olsen or get a Freddie Freeman. Uh, they didn't do that. Uh, they decided to bring Rizzo back. Uh, what's your thoughts? Are you you think he will perform well here? I mean, he's a guy who should be able to reach that lower deck. He knows how to put the ball in those seats. Uh, he's He's got that kind of swing. What, what's your thoughts about him uh, here for a full season? I think he needed a little adjustment time, and he got it last year. Uh, and um, I think he's settled in the, to the community. He can reach those seats without trying. I think last year he was trying too much to you know, be a launch and pull hitter. I think he naturally takes uh, about 75% of the pitches that are thrown to him and he, he's able to pull them. And, um, you know, if he's, if he's forgotten at all, at all, he'll be a very big player on that team. What do you think about the pitching behind Cole in the starting rotation? I think it's very suspect. And uh, like so many teams uh, in, in the major leagues, uh, they have uh, guys who have to prove themselves, have to, you know, get the starts under their belt where they're, you know, given that, and I, and I laugh when I say this, they're given that strong five innings, um, you know, to, to start the season so that you can start relying on uh, the guys that you're going with. Otherwise they're going to, they're going to shuffle a deck and, um, you know, they, they haven't been that active thus far, but I think they saw that, uh, last year, Atlanta did so much at the halfway point to remake their team, and there's going to be plenty of teams this year that are uh, going to throw in the towel in the halfway point, and uh, the Yankees are going to be there to pick up the good players. You know, one thing I like is that, and we're talking with Bobby B about the Yankees, one thing I like is they put stability behind the plate. We don't have to live with the drama of Sanchez every day now, and also put stability defensively at short. Uh, I think that's a positive. Now, listen, Higgy, we know he can hit a home run. He he had little brief stints when he hit home runs in the past. I don't care about how many he hit in the strings training. That doesn't interest me. But I think he will provide some stability, and they haven't had that. I mean, the Sanchez thing became like a, a night-to-night drama, which I think did hurt the team. I think it hurt the team, too. It, it, it was unsettling watching it uh, from afar. I'm sure it was unsettling when you had to watch it from the bench um, uh, and, and it's gone 
and that stability uh, isn't so much on the offensive side. Um, it, it's more with the pitchers. Uh, with a short spring training, um, you know, the, you need to be on uh, lockstep with the catcher. The pitchers and catchers need to be uh, ready to go on on what to use and when to use it. And I think that um, he's the right man for the job. It's a very, very tight division. Toronto, Yankees, Tampa, Red Sox. You never sell the Red Sox short. They have some terrific players. We know you never, ever sell Tampa short. We all know the talent that's on Toronto, uh, and they pretty much have been you know, given the division by most people. How do you look at the four, and do you separate anybody in any way? Do you like anybody more than anybody else when you look at the four teams? Well, I really do like uh, Toronto's talent, like everyone else does. And uh, as you talk about discounting things, you'd never discount or count the Yankees out. That's for sure. The Yankees are going to be there. Um, you know, I, I think it, it's going to depend on who really beats up on Baltimore. You know, they're, they're going to play um, – 19 times in the division, and uh, I think Baltimore is going to be that weak, weak sister. And um, in order to separate yourself from the pack, because you're not going to dominate the other teams in your division, I think you need to dominate Baltimore. I think I think that's you can't not. And and there's been times when the Yankees haven't, as a matter of fact. I mean, so that's been uh, that's been a a big thing. How about Tampa? And especially, you know, their new young stud who they're putting an incredible amount of pressure on. They really are. I mean, people are talking about him being the best player in the league. I mean, that's a, that's a lot to ask at such a young age. Yeah, Yonder Frank, Franco's a terrific player. But um, we, we really have to take a step back and understand that Tampa uh, is the best organization in baseball. Very I mean, smart. They, Very smart. You know, five years have just proved that they can do it with less, and they do it continually. So um, I think when they they say something about one of their players, um, I, I'm going to agree with them a lot more than I'm going to disagree. Well, the amazing thing about them, Bobby, and you having had your career have to, you know, look at this and, uh, and, and just be so impressed like everybody else is, they take guys – from other teams that they see something in talent wise and then bring them in and turn them into great pitchers. I mean, you know, they say this guy can do this. We can make this guy and make these changes. Their evaluation of other people's major league talent is unreal. Yeah. They have a great blend of uh, the analytical department and the field people where they work together well, where they get information about uh, a pitcher, and then they're able to apply it um, within a team and within uh, the individual. And, uh, you know, that's that's what everyone's trying to do. They do it best. And um, I, I think that um, they're going to be there this year. They're going to be there every year because um, – once again, when you when you have a when you have the secret sauce and you have the the magic formula, um, it it continues to work until someone busts it. And I haven't seen any anyone um, bust what they're doing. And they you know they get a lot of guys who throw hard. I mean they they got a, they have a lot of no name pitchers who come in and you say who the heck is this guy? And the next thing you see, you know he throws three scoreless innings. I mean they have a lot of guys like that. <laughs> 
yeah, their 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 arms work. Uh, but once again, that's the uh, the teaching aspect uh, that they spend their money not on the the top free agent. They spend their money on R and D and and their R and D of uh, that biomechanical uh, um, uh, piece of the players. Uh, ability uh, seems to work uh, extremely well. There are some, you know, unbelievable talents in the division. Uh, I can't believe how good some of these young players are at, at a young age. I mean, you, you go down the list and, and you look at these guys, uh, like uh, D- Raphael Davis in Boston. That guy is unbelievable. I mean, scary good. I mean, what such an incredible accomplished hitter. And, you know, you look at him and then you look at uh, Guerrero and you go down the list. I mean, there is some uh, – and then you throw Judge in the mix and then throw in, obviously, uh, you know, Franco and guys like that. I mean, there is some incredible young talent or just overall talent. Judge isn't young. But, I mean, just some unbelievable players in the division. Yes, you know, Major League Baseball has uh, their work cut out for them to – promote and market these young players in a, in a new and special way. I think that, uh, you know, they can, they can grab a, uh, the imagination of, of an entire baseball nation if it's promoted right. Because as you say, I mean, they, they are so good. Uh, you know, Otani starting uh, for the Angels, who is the MVP, who's only 25 years old, who does things that no one else has uh, done before, and and you have the the kid over in in Washington Soto who can um, you know look at a pitch the way Ted Williams is unbelievable. Look at a pitch. He has great one of eye. the greatest eyes, and yes. then one of the greatest um, outcome um, uh, hitters that we've seen in a long time, and uh, the list goes on. And and I'd like to see Major League Baseball just pop them all in front of the public as often as possible. Not only their swings and their and their throws, but also their personalities, because a lot of these young guys are are uh, young, you know, and and that youngness, that that youth, that exuberance, and that new way of doing things can really uh, captivate. I, I think the the audience that that needs to be captivated, because you know people talk about our game being boring, they talk about it being too long, they talk about it being old and and uh, run down and we have an opportunity with the young players to to ignite the fandom davis is scary i mean uh he had six homers and hit 370 uh and had a 1.5 ops in the spring not that it matters just shows you that he's on his game ready to burst out Ever since he hit that home run off Chapman, which kind of woke him, woke up everybody to him. I mean, which was like, who the heck is this guy? I mean, it was he, he is a scary good hitter. I mean, just you know, you talk about a guy who was going to you know find someone who could replace Big Poppy. I mean, there's a guy who can replace Big Poppy. He's that kind of hitter. Yeah, from the left side of the plate in, in Boston, he's able to use that wall. He's able to hit it over the wall. He's able to pull the ball, and um, um, you know he—he's a spectacular young player. That um, you know you—you you have to think about um, you know almost having him not beat you. But uh, again, Boston always comes up with uh, a, a lineup that can score runs, and they'll do it again this year. 
So right now, you would like Toronto to win the division? Right now, I think Toronto is, um, is the talent favorite. Um, I, I have a hard time, um, you know, betting against, uh, you know, both Tampa and the Yankees. I, I think that they, you know, are, are there every year. So how could you say that the newcomers are, are going to do it until the newcomers do it? But uh, they, are, they, they have, uh, Toronto that is, they have that uh, exciting talent that, that you want to see every night. Uh, we're talking with Bobby Valentine, of course, on the Mike Francesa podcast. All right, to the Mets. Now, here's the thing. You understand the mind of a veteran manager. The Mets have a good one in Buck, who we know very well. How much did Buck have to worry with the psychological hit that not having DeGrom means to that team coming out of the gate? Well, you know, they have to reinvent themselves a little because, um, you know, what's the only, only DeGrom? You know, this is going to be a great one-two punch, the best in baseball. Look out for when Scherzer and DeGrom come into town because you're going to be 0-2 and hope to salvage a game before the, the team leaves uh, in their three-game series. And, you know, I know Scherzer's probably going to be back quicker than DeGrom, but they're, they're actually starting the season without both of them. And they're going to uh, not have Jacob um, for a while. You know, this four-week stuff is not... No, he, you're lucky if he pitches by July. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, he's... And then he's pitching for, you know, $400 million. And then he's pitching for, uh, you know, with that question of what is this problem and will it recur, reoccur uh, during, you know, a major league season. So... Um, you know, it's a very sketchy situation right now, and Buck has to recreate the image of who that team um, is going forward without, um, you know, the best pitcher, if you will, in baseball and uh, the best veteran pitcher in baseball um, as what they thought to be the one-two punch, and now it's a, a one-let's-see punch. Um, what, is, what does Buck bring to that team in your mind? Well, he better bring stability. He better bring a a feeling of calmness because uh, you know there's there's already panic in in the Met Nation, and um, you know it, it's not a fun place to be when uh, the the Met fans are are restless. And um, you know he's got to he's got to make sure that uh, there's a belief in the offense, and there's a belief in the bullpen, and there's a belief in the other starters. Uh, not only, uh, you know, outside the walls of the clubhouse, but inside the walls of the clubhouse, that they have enough of offense and uh, that they have enough of defense and they have enough of bullpen. And every manager is doing that. It's just coming in uh, the way Buck has come in with uh, the expectations, with the ownership, with the uh, great pitching um, uh, that they were building this year on, um, you know, he's got to rebuild it on the fly. That's the image of the team. What do you like about this team right now? What would you be concerned about with this team right now? Well, obviously the starting pitching, uh, you know, is, is that question mark and, um, you know, how they put, how they put together good arms in the bullpen and, and the usage of those arms, because, 
um, they haven't worked together before, I think is, is paramount. Uh, most most uh, teams are going to go into the season uh, short on starting pitching because of spring training. Is going to be that uh, you know 15 to 30 pitch uh, arsenal that you're going to get from many bullpen pitchers, and um, they have to come in at the right time and do the right job in order to um, have to, in order to, to keep panic away from. Uh, the the Met fandom. We know we talked on the last podcast about the curse that has been the Mets with middle infielders coming from the American League in the past. They did it last year to another one in Lindor. Now, I was all over Lindor last year. He annoyed the heck out of me on so many different levels. But I'm not dumb enough to not realize that this guy has a world of talent. He's got a lot of power uh, for a middle infielder. He can play the position really well. We know that you see that. All right. I don't like some of his act, but let's be honest. He's loaded with talent. He's still only 28 years old playing in New York's a whole different animal. We all know that. Uh, do you think gut and it is only gut. Do you think he bounces back and gives you the Lindor that Cleveland loved, or do you think he struggles again? Well, I think that's an interesting situation that's related to the to DeGrom again. Um, you know, there, that spotlight was off of him. It was on Scherzer and DeGrom. Yeah, good point. And, and that they were going to lead the way, and now you're going to get the spotlight right back on him. So I, I, I hate to say someone with a contract like he has and a resume like he has that the first month of the season is really important for him. But you know what? The first month of the season is really important I agree. for him. Because they will, he, 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 will hear it, he will hear it every day if he doesn't get off to a fast start. They will have no patience with him. He has to turn that team around and turn those fans around where they don't question him anymore right away at 28. Because otherwise they're going to start to think he's a bust, and then it will be, he'll be looking for the exit. Oh, it, it, it won't be a pretty scene, but uh, I think that his talent's going to rise rise to the place that it needs to be. And, um, you know, because the spotlight was off of him all spring, um, I think that he uh, was able to relax and play his game. Um, everything that I've seen looks like uh, he's, um, he's a different player than he was at the begin, beginning of last year. And uh, that kind of relaxed... Um, a uh, talented player is exactly what the Mets need from him. Can you rely on Alonzo in your mind to be a legitimate 265, you know, 35, 110 guy? Yeah, I, I think his his power factor is uh, one that everyone has to deal with, and uh, he's going to launch the ball 30 to, to 40 times, I think, without a problem. And um, he's going to hit in the middle of the lineup and be a very credible player. All right, you got the Braves. You got the Phillies, who people feel are improved. All right, you got those three, especially in in the division. You know, Washington's bad. Uh, Marlins are a little better with better arms. They're moving in the right direction. Washington's built around one brilliant player who we already noted. Uh, What's your thoughts on the division? Well, I think it's it's up for grabs. Um, even though the the uh, you know the champions are Atlanta, and they they've been a thorn in in the Mets side for you know as long as I can remember, a long time. A thorn in my side, long sure, time. When, when I was 
in in that city. So uh, they still have to um, get Okunda back. They have to fill that void of Freddie Friedman. Uh, they have to make sure that um, you know their their two young starters come back and they come back healthy. Um, so you know they have they have as many question marks as as the Mets do. So the the division is up for grabs. I I think that. Um, uh, everyone's favoring the um, the Braves, but um, I, I see the I see the Mets being there um, right at the end, and and maybe even taking the division away from them. We know how good Freeman was; he killed the Mets his whole life. But I'll tell you something: they this is a player. If there's an unsung player in baseball, they stole him in this Olson. This guy is unbelievable. I mean, no one ever saw him. We know that. He's buried on the West Coast uh, on, on a team no one watches. But let, let's be honest, defensively, offensively, the guy, can, it, it, you know, when people see him will realize this guy's one of the better players in baseball. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, he hits the good pitching. He's not afraid to take a walk. Uh, and he plays excellent defense. So, um, you know, the, the ability um, – will be matched. I think Freddie Freeman's ability will be matched, but I'm not sure about the leadership. And again, um, going, playing for, for Oakland and switching coasts and playing Good for point. the defending world champions, is it's a little different, um, you know, cup of tea, and we'll see if he's going to need some sweetener with it. Yeah, a whole different world. I mean, he's playing in a place where no one even knew they were playing. I mean, so absolutely true. No one at the games, nobody knew they were playing. Nobody watched them, so you're absolutely right. He was playing in, uh, in complete shadows in Oakland. Uh, but he is a tremendous talent and really good defensively, which people might not realize, but a, a wonderful, as you noted, a defensive player. What team... Give me a surprise team. Give me a team that maybe people aren't talking about who you have your eye on you think could be a little better than people think this year. Well, you know, I, I don't know if, um, you know, the White Sox are, are, are one of those teams that people don't know about, but they're a very good team. And, yeah, I uh, think it could be their year. I, I, I would pick them to go to the World Series this year. I think this is, this is probably their year, I would think. Yeah, they 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 really um, I think possess a, a, a whole lineup of, of outstanding uh, outstanding players, and I think you know they had that little problem with a really good pitcher in their bullpen, uh, Kimbrel, who's now not in their in their bullpen, and he yep. went to the Dodgers. So uh, I look I look for the White Sox to really make a lot of noise this year. I, I know everyone is, and that's no surprise, but. Um, you know, everyone else out there, uh, I, I don't think you're going to see a lot of surprise teams. The good teams are going to be good. The bad teams are going to be real bad, and I think they're going to uh, lose a, a lot of games. I think you're going to have four and five teams losing 100 games uh, this year, and um, it, it, it'll be the um, the strong will survive. And, and the Dodgers and are, really and, and, your, and your old club, you, you know, because you're a Dodger for life, but your old club is just absolutely loaded. I mean, just, you know, yeah. they, they just, I mean, the lineup is just ridiculous. It's, it's almost boring they're so good. The, the one thing about the, the Dodgers, though, coming out of this spring training for the things that I've seen is that um, their pitchers don't look as ready as um, – you would want them to look, and and some of them have had more innings and more pitches in the last few years uh, because they've been in the playoffs and they they've been pitching a lot um, 
even with the shortened season, that, uh, you know, even Bueller, who pitched the other night, who's such a spectacular pitcher, just doesn't look like the same pitcher in that uh, um, that the group of start young starting pitchers are, are are going to be challenged, but they're going to have plenty of plenty of runs to deal with. What they're, do you make of the Giants after exactly. having such a crazy year, Bob? They lose key guys. They lose some real core guys this year. Uh, they have ability. They're slated to their, their numbers like eighty five. Okay, last year they come out of nowhere. Their number was like eighty two last year, and they win. All, you know all those games they you know put up in they went one hundred and seven games. I mean, it's really, what about the Giants this year? Well, you know they they have a different way of going about things, um, uh, mainly with their analytics and their coaching. Uh, you know they they travel fourteen coaches, if you will. You know they have they have they travel coach fourteen every, coaches. Yeah. Yeah, they they do it differently, Mike. They have make sure that all the bases are covered. You know, the the guy who used to think that he had to wait in line to to get batting practice has his own guy right there ready to work with him uh, anytime he needs something. And and it's a different uh, model, and it worked so efficiently last year. 107 wins, like you said that uh, maybe they have something. Maybe they have something that's uh, a different approach to doing things that actually uh, works. Obviously, you have to do it more than one year before uh, you're going to get anyone uh, really buying in and believing it. But um, right now, you know, Pakoda and the, and, and the computers don't believe it. But um, we'll, we'll see what uh, that human aspect of, of more, more caring for their players um, uh, see how that works in, in, in the long run. And not a lot of, you know, not a lot of household names, you know, let's be honest. I mean, yeah. in that lineup, this whole, not a lot of guys that you would say, oh, this guy's this, this guy. You know, when you're looking down at the big stars in baseball, you're not stopping the Giants for too many guys. You know, and last year they had a couple guys who seemed to be finished, uh, you know, their mainstays of Belton Crawford and even Posey, they seem to be kind of over their hill, um, perform at, a, at an outstanding level. Now po- Posey's gone, yep. but, um, you know, they, they still have a core of veterans that yep. um, perform. I mean, Crawford's a good player. We know Crawford's a good player. I mean, he had a good year last year. He's a good player. We know that. See, he's a very solid player. We know that. But uh, And Posey's yeah. gone, you know, who's had a great career. But, they, I mean, they, they, they don't have a lot of guys that you'd say, wow, you know, you, you're afraid of this guy, you're afraid of that guy in the lineup. No, they they just mix and match and come at you from every direction. And um, once again, it worked so well last year that I'm looking forward to seeing how how it does perform um, in year two. I didn't realize that about the coaches. I wonder where that – now tell me what you know about this. Where did this stem from, this idea of all these coaches? Well, it just – it, it was the creation there, Farhat, their uh, president and general manager, and uh, and and um, you know, a young, exciting uh, young manager who just said, you know, let's make sure that every everybody who needs something uh, is provided whatever they need during a season. It's 162 games. Wow. These are all real special athletes. And we got to get them to perform at their highest level. And the way to do that 
is to make sure that uh, they're cared for, if you will. And it's not like people holding the hand, and it's not, it's not uh, you know, going out to dinner to make sure that they're eating properly, even though, from what I hear, their nutrition, uh, it, it, you know, coach, nutritional coach is, is very good. Um, they just believe that more is better, and um, it, it's quite the travel squad, I'll tell you that. That's, that's <laughs> fascinating. You know what? I haven't seen a lot on that, but, you know, you got a team last year. Very rarely do you have a team that goes, you know, 30 games over its projection or 30 games under its projection. Somebody might have a rash of injuries and they didn't have a good year. But, I mean, that's a team last year that was expected to win like 81 or 82 games, and they win 107. I mean, it was, that's, it's, it's bizarre. And, you know, and, and they did it with confidence. They did it, um, you know, thinking that they had the right formula, and um, um, it, it, it really did work. I, I, was, uh, I was amazed. What, which one of these young managers do you like? Is there one guy that stands out to you of the guys who maybe hasn't gotten a lot of acclaim yet, who you think has got the makings of a really good baseball man? Ooh, I might have to look at it again. You know, but uh, Cash is young, kind of young, in, in uh, Tampa Bay. I think he's, you know, the cream of the crop. And, uh, you know, the, the other guys who are coming along and, and – um, you know, sharpening their teeth on, on major league experience. Some of the, some of the guys don't have a lot of experience or seem to, to know what they're doing and seem to be adjusting to the new world of, uh, of, of managing, uh, quite well. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to take the step forward and see how they learn from the bakers and the Maddens and, and the, the, the veterans and the Girardis who are out there you know, there's still a lot to be learned uh, by these young managers and, and uh, the old vets are out there showing them the way. Tougher to manage now or, or 10 years ago? Well, I think, you know, there's, there's different skill sets that are required now than, than there were 10 years ago. You know, uh, just uh, yesterday was cut day, right, uh, where that final cut, some guys get released. Some guys think they made the team and they go to the minor leagues. That used to be a tough day for a manager. And I, he used to linger uh, with me for, for a while, you know, when, when you tell someone that their dream isn't going to be fulfilled. You know, the manager doesn't do that anymore. You know, the general manager does that now. So, um, you know, that, that's, that type of, of work isn't done by the manager of, um, you know, the, the – um, player shuffling, if you will, the player's um, movement. Um, but there's, there's a lot of, um, like we say, 40, if you have 14 coaches traveling with a team, uh, that's 14 people that you have to manage as a manager. Yeah. So their, their, uh, their job has expanded in a way where they have to make sure that uh, the people who are involved with coaching and instructing and, and preparing your team are all doing the job that they, they are supposed to do. So, so it's you know, fair yeah. to say, it's fair to say a manager now 
is going to have to adjust to and understand that there's going to be people between him and his players that maybe years ago there weren't anybody between you and your player. Now there's going to be other people in the mix, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that I, that idea of I'll go talk to him, uh, that, that idea is gone. Now there's, there's, um, in the old days, managers didn't like guys getting between them and their players, right? Baseball organizations, and, right. and you have to make sure they're all doing what they should be doing and making sure that you're not trying to do what they're doing. Yeah, and, and again, in the old days, you know, managers, you wanted to be the guy who you took care of your players. It was between you and your players. You didn't want other people interfering, right? You wanted it to be your voice. Well, there there were, were those days where it had to be your voice because there really was no one else right. uh, who who had the authority or or even had the the knowledge, if you will, um, who was who was around the team. You had your five coaches, and they all had their specific duties to do, but you had to do uh, all the things uh, that that uh, the coaches and the players needed. Now. There's a lot of help out there. There's really a lot of smart people who understand the game and, um, you know, are, are helping players be successful. So in your mind, the, the Girardi, the LaRusa, the Showalter, the Dusty Baker, all have had to understand that things have changed and they have to be more accommodating uh, to let other people be in the mix now, There's, even for those guys. Oh, without a doubt, they're they're all doing it, and uh, I think they're enjoying it. I think that they're 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 being really good um, at what they're good at uh, because they don't have to do everything. And uh, you know, again, it it seems like it's easier, but it's it's uh, it's not easier. It's just a little less work. You just uh, you're still being expected to be excellent, though, at the things you're good at. Thanks, Bobby. Enjoy opening day. We'll talk next week. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Take, Take care. care. Bobby opening V day. out in L.A., absolutely. Enjoy opening day uh, and opening day for the Mets. Right now is tomorrow. We're taping this on a Wednesday. And uh, the Yankees opener has been moved from Thursday, where we're still expecting inclement weather in New York, uh, to Friday at 1 o'clock at the stadium. The Yankees and the Red Sox will have their opener, hopefully under sunny skies. Back with over-unders right after this. You're listening to the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Now make this baseball season more enjoyable with same-game parlays at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Create your perfect combinations all season long. As you bet on your favorite teams, download the Bet Rivers app today. Must be uh, 21, playable in New York only. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW YORK or text HOPE-NEW YORK. That's HOPE, H-O-P-E-N-Y. All right, wrapping up the uh, baseball podcast. Remember, look for a special Masters podcast, which we will drop uh, before the Masters is played. So look for that, too. We will have a Masters preview, Brandel Chambly, uh, and some Masters predictions. Uh, I love the golf, and I, I can't wait for the Masters, as I do. I promise over-unders, as always. I'll give you overs and unders. The numbers, uh, since I might have personally wagered on them, I'll tell you what I did, and then I'll tell you where the number is now. And the numbers are ever-changing in these last couple of days. 
Um, under. I did Orioles under 62 and a half. I believe now it's gone to 62. I did A's under 70 and a half. They made the trade. The number is now 69. So, again, A's under, Orioles under. I was thinking about the Mets under, but the Met number was 91 and a half last week. Now it's 88, so I'm not touching it. It's already down to 88. You're not getting any 91s and a half anywhere. So, I, I, so Orioles under. Here's the reason why the Orioles under. The Orioles are going to play, okay, 19 times against the Red Sox, the Rays, the Blue Jays, and the Yankees. That is impossible for a team with no pitching. They have a wonderful center fielder who I would have loved to be a Yankee. They have a couple of really nice bats in the middle of the lineup that can hit. Fine. They give up some games 5 nothing. They get up, they get, you know, a rally going here and there, but they have no pitching. And as the season wears on, they just can't win. They're going to lose over 100 games, and they're in a division where they play teams that have to beat them every night to keep pace. What did Bobby say? The team that beats the Orioles the most is going to have the advantage. you got four teams that are all together, from the Red Sox at, say, 86 or 88, up through Tampa, up through Toronto, up through the Yankees. It's all about beating the Orioles all the time. And then they have to go out and still play the other teams in the league. It's just too much to overcome. That's why I bet against the Orioles every year for the last five years. I've won every time. Until they beat me, I'm betting against them. A's have decided this season's a wash. It's over. They're going to keep trading people. They just made another big trade and traded away one of their key pitches. They will continue to trade people away. They are rebuilding the team. They don't care if they win 60 games. They don't care if they win 55 games. They, the number is still high enough that it's a good number. Uh, I like the A under on the A's a lot. Overs. White Sox, 91 and a half. When I bet it, I think it's 92 and a half now. Uh, I bet the Dodgers over 97 and a half. It says here it's 98 and a half. I still like them over. I think the Dodgers will win 102, 103, maybe 104. I think they're the only team I can guarantee will win 100 this year. I'm not sure anybody else will. The other team that's going to come close to winning 100 is the White Sox. And then the Brewers over 89 and a half. The number's now 90. Either way, Brewers. So over White Sox, Brewers. Why those two? Here's why. Dodgers over, why? Because I thought their number's going to be 103, 104, and it's 98 now. I'm still going over. I think 98 would be bad for them. I think they'll win over 100 games. And the other two, they're in divisions where nobody threatens them. The divisions aren't good. I don't care if the Central's gotten a little better against the White Sox. The bottom line is nobody's even 85. They're going to win 95-plus. number was 91.5. White Sox could win 100. And the Brewers. So Brewers, White Sox, Dodgers over. Orioles, A's under five over-unders for the season. Remember, look for the Masters podcast. We'll see you next week. Check it out and look for the Mike Francesa podcast at betrivers.com. Uh, also, Apple, Spotify, wherever. I can stop now and, and when someone says, hey, I heard your podcast, I say, where'd you listen to it? Spotify, Apple, uh, YouTube, uh, betrivers.com. Well, you know what? You can get it there and everywhere else. So keep listening. I keep looking for it. And remember, look for the uh, Special Masters podcast, which will come your way by Wednesday evening. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. 
Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.